Welcome to the MENA CMO podcast, bringing you marketing stories from the Middle East and North Africa. I'm your host, Farah Sihir, a global marketing manager based in London, with a long experience working in MENA's marketing and communications landscape. This podcast is dedicated to the region's marketing and communications professionals. I'll host the most dynamic CMOs, Markham professionals and friends to paint a picture of what works in the world of marketing from a MENA perspective. Join me to learn and be inspired by the experts that are shaping the Markham industry in the MENA region. My guest today is extra special. Dr. Ganga Danish is the Associate Professor and Assistant Dean of research and outreach in the College of Communications and Media Sciences at Zayed University in the UAE. Many argue that the most useful academic research does not get used by marketing practitioners until many years later. So the aim for this episode is to help bridge the gap between academia and the practical world of marketing. Joining me from Dubai, Ganga will shed light on her research in the field of gender portrayals and advertising in the GCC and the wider MENA region. We will find out whether advertising reflects the societal changes happening in the region and what can be done to improve the way women are depicted in advertising. Hi Ganga, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Farah? Um, very good, thank you, and I'm very excited to have you on this episode. Today we're going to talk about uh, gender portrayals in advertising in the GCC and the wider uh, MENA region. Um, you have been part of a uh, research team at Zaid uh, University who examined uh, advertising and the depiction of men and women uh, in the region. Um, I'd like to start with this. If you could tell us more about this research, what uh, were the main uh, findings and takeaways? All right, so actually uh, this study was done by uh, my colleagues, Ali Khalil, Claire Sherman, Dai Dutler, and um, I. Um, when Alex Malouf of the Advertising Business Group approached us for some research on this topic in the region, um, so we actually conducted three studies. Uh, the one that you're, you're referring to is the content analysis of television commercials um, aired over NBC um, for a week in September 2018. That's the one that I did with my colleague Ali Khalil. So, well, overall, uh, we were looking for gender portrayals of both men and women in, in TV ads. Um, and the interesting finding is that, I mean, we kind of titled it Glimmers of Hope Through the Fog of Persistent Gender Stereotyping. <laughs> because as with most uh, findings from across the world, of course, we also found that gender stereotypes persist. But there are teeny-weeny glimmers of progressive portrayal. So teeny-weeny that you have to look close to see that they are actually progressive. Um, this kind of progressive depictions were actually evident mostly in role portrayal. So whether it was uh, being shown in familiar roles versus non-familiar roles. 
Um, so familiar roles where we all know, you know, as, as spouses, as parents, as care, caregivers versus non-familiar. So within non-familiar, we looked at both people being shown at work as professionals, as well as people engaged in self-care. So they're taking care of themselves. It might be just having a coffee with a friend or, you know, while you're discussing a shampoo or a toothpaste or something like that. Um, interestingly, obviously of all the familiar roles, most of them were depicted by females, which is very traditional depiction. But among the non-familiar roles, you find almost a 50-50 depiction by men and women, which was really interesting for us. Uh, it's just starting to show that women are starting to get depicted a bit more in non-familiar roles compared to their traditional depiction as, uh, you know, queen of the home, just relegated only to familiar roles. Um, kind of keeping in tune with this finding uh, was also depiction of home and occupational settings. Um, you know, you, we found that um, of course, almost 95% of ads set in the home environment have, have female central figures, which is a very traditional stereotype. But when you look at occupational settings, there it's again almost 50-50, like, you know, 55% male and 45% female. There again, similar to role depictions, there's a bit of progressive uh, depiction. Now, these kind of roles are typically uh, portrayals like, you know, women dentists promoting toothpaste or pediatricians promoting baby formula or hygienic behavior in children and things like that. Um, so, yes, there are traditional depictions with uh, like most of the ads in the home environment are still featuring women. But when you come to occupational, they are starting to uh, be portrayed a bit more in occupational settings as well. That's uh, that's great, and uh, I'm glad to hear that there is some progress uh, when it comes to the uh, portrayal of women in, in advertising. Um, you you named actually the research, uh, so it's gender stereotyping in television advertising in the Middle East, and then you said time for marketeers and advertisers to step up. So. From, your, from the research you've done, um, do you feel that advertisers in the region are still playing it safe in a way? You rightly said, there is the advertising as mirror versus advertising as the mold approach, right? So in the mirror approach, it says that advertising mirrors what happens in society. So advertisers are not responsible for what they're showing. Okay, we are just mirroring what's happening around us. But on the other hand, advertisers can also mold what's happening around us. I mean, that is kind of a more progressive uh, leadership role for advertisers in trying to take the lead and show progressive depictions. But obviously, that doesn't seem to be happening much because it, there could be multiple reasons. They're playing it safe. Why? One, it can be these are tried and tested cliched formats, right? You don't go wrong with that. Or at least you think you won't go wrong with that. Um, it's just easier to do. Or for all you know, the advertisers and marketers themselves could have their own personal beliefs which are more conservative. 
So for whatever reason, they seem to be going with the regular cliched format of stereotypical um, depictions. Uh, but I think it is really important for them to step up because societies are changing. I mean, you look around us, you see, especially in the UAE and, and even in, in Saudi Arabia, uh, with women being starting to be given more rights, um, you know, the, the removal of the ban on driving and, you know, when Nissan took out the She Drives campaign um, and they won the award, uh, I think it was the Glass Award at Dubai Links. So things around are changing. And I think if marketers and advertisers don't step up to these changes that are happening around them, they could soon be out of sync with, with what's happening. So to me, it's always a delicate balance between the mirror approach and the mold approach, right? You can't just say, oh, we are just going to mirror what's happening. Sometimes you have to use your power to influence change. So ideal would be kind of a balance between the two. Speaking of the mirror and the mold uh, principle, have you seen lately any uh, campaigns where you feel that the advertisers have used their power to really mold change rather than just stick to the kind of to the traditional depiction of women in the region? Um, yes, of course. I mean, honestly, when we started on this project, uh, we expected to find far more progressive depictions because, mm -hmm. you know, in our classrooms, we discussed projects by Nike and the, the hijab. Um, ad that they took out um, and my students get really excited when they see all these women empowerment campaigns being done by brands that they relate to. Uh, so we were quite surprised to find that that really is not the norm across. Um, Nike is one of my favorite examples, not just for the hijab ad, but also for their dream crazier ad uh, where they had Serena Williams and then they had the Middle East version. Um, uh, with, with uh, sports celebrities from this part of the world. So I think those are great examples of, uh, of brands trying to take the lead. Again, if you look at those two examples, it's progressive, but it is progressive in a way that's rooted within the existing cultural fabric, right? They are not just saying, let's break loose. They're saying, all right, I mean, you need to use the hijab in competitive sports, so, so let's design one that is best suited uh, for, com for com competition. Um, so at the same time, they're showing women role models, right, who are uh, doing what they want to do. I mean, yes, I know I might be breaking some taboos, but I'm still going to do this. Right? This is important to me. I'm going to push some boundaries. Are people staring at me? Yes, they are. But that's fine. I'm going to still go ahead and do it. So those are ways in which you acknowledge some of the cultural um, influences, but you acknowledge them and then say, okay, this is how I'm going to push boundaries. Part of the team at Zaid University that has also been research on citizens of the UAE and their uh, perceptions and the reactions to um, femvertising versus menvertising. If we could touch on that, because that's also a very interesting area to see how men uh, perceive and uh, react to advertising as opposed to women. 
Yeah, I mean, that was a fascinating piece of research done by my colleagues, Dr. Claire Sherman and Dr. Gail Dutler. Uh, so they ran this experiment and a survey with the Emiratis, trying to figure out their uh, acceptance of femvertising and menvertising. Femvertising is basically uh, like the Nike hijab ad, like showing women in more empowered roles. And menvertising is when you show men in softer uh, roles, maybe uh, even occupational roles of being a teacher or uh, engaging in childcare. So interestingly, that study found that Emiratis expressed significantly less resistance to femvertising than menvertising. I mean, they're happy to support women empowerment, right? So yes, that's the right thing to do. That's the ethical thing to do, that we have to support women. And depictions of, uh, of women role models in advertising is a great idea. But we are not quite ready for menvertising, right? Um, I mean, that's absolutely, that's absolutely fine because I keep thinking of, um, of, of ads like, say, Ariel Share the Load in India, where, you know, it shows the father acknowledging uh, how he hasn't really been stepping up uh, to help. Uh, which seems to have gone on over to the son-in-law as well. So when he sees his daughter struggling, that's when he realizes he also hasn't been doing it, um, which is in a way similar to the, to the hijabi ad in the sense that uh, it, it acknowledges existing cultural factors that can impact gender portrayal. Right, but while acknowledging it, you then say, "Let's let's change it." Uh, but that was kind of a combination of both femvertising and menvertising. But again, more menvertising than femvertising. Are we ready for that? Well, this research says not as much, but we can get there. Um, so, in fact, one of our recommendations um, uh, in in the paper that's getting published is also that. Uh, you know, while we start to depict women in more progressive roles, while we do femvertising, which definitely the UAE is definitely ready for, we can also slowly start moving towards menvertising. Like, you know, you don't just suddenly show men changing diapers, maybe, but you can start showing them helping with maybe bringing the groceries in, or at least don't show them sitting and watching TV when the uh, when the wife is cooking, you know, yeah. so instead of that, he, at least he can be just hanging out in the kitchen, helping while they're preparing yeah. together. So baby steps at a time. That's right. And uh, this is something I have been observing lately. I feel that COVID-19 is having a positive impact on this in particular. And here's why I think <laughs> that this is the case. So with all these influencers, and there are so many of them, uh, both male and female, um, now with you know brand partnerships wearing thin, they have to be kind of innovative in the way they create content. And what you see now is lots, a lot of the uh, male influencers, they are actually going to the kitchen and cooking and trying different things and uh, really going live and showing all the meals that they are preparing. 
And there was also one of the big influencers, um, eight plus million followers. She was talking actually about the time when her husband would go into the kitchen and try to help out and she would dismiss him and tell him, that's not your place. And now because he's at home and he's got all, all the time in the world, he is actually the one cooking and she's the one watching and enjoying the scene and, and all the food that he's preparing. So maybe I, because before that, it wasn't really common to see almost all of them go into the kitchen and do what used to be traditionally, you know, a, a woman's job. Um, so maybe, maybe there is some positive out of this whole crazy pandemic that paralyzed the world in a way. So hopefully <laughs> this will help us in a way um, increase the acceptance and, uh, of, of uh, mentorizing. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, actually, in one of the studies uh, from, from the research team done by Dr. Gail Dutler, um, who analyzed gender role stereotypes in Instagram ads from UAE-based companies, uh, she did find that uh, there are gender role stereotypes in occupational roles, uh, but not as much in non-occupational roles. Uh, so whether you're in the family or recreational setting, there's not much of a gender difference. But when it comes to occupational roles, you find that there is a, there is a gender difference. Mm -hmm. so, so yes, you're right. I mean, uh, we can see that brands are, at least based on the research we did, that they are sticking to gender role stereotypes even in social media. Uh, but again, mostly in occupational uh, roles and non-occupational. So you're right. And, and I was actually thinking these days we hear so much of uh, uh, so much more whining, I would say, about managing work and life. And I'm very amused to see that most of these whines are coming from men. And I'm, and to me, it was like, well, didn't we know it all along that, well, it is tough to manage both work and home. So welcome to our world, right? So um, I guess hopefully out of this situation, there'll be more of an understanding of uh, boundaries between uh, work and home and that there will be more, um, I mean, as a further uh, effect if if it if at all it affects any societal changes that it might it might further push uh, gender portrayal in advertising towards more inclusive uh, ways. And uh, so um, there uh, there are uh, quite a few um, countries or governments, uh, for instance, here in the UK that have introduced uh, new uh, rules on gender. Uh, stereotyping and uh, advertising and that's in order to tackle uh, harmful and outdated practices um, do we have anything similar in the region the, uh, you're aware of are, are there any initiatives going this direction um, not not that I know of uh, yes there are regulations in other countries but not uh, not that I know of in this part of the world um, except that the UN women have started the unstereotype alliance and uh, the UAE is trying to be a part of this. So actually our research was done as a background for that uh, um, initiative. So advertising business group uh, wanted this research done 
to to help them in their partnership with the the UN Women for the Unstereotyped Alliance. And after that, they came out with a set of ten guidelines. Um, that's more like voluntary guidelines for the ad industry for the UAE uh, to follow as far as gender stereotyping goes. Um, which is uh, it's a great document put together by members of of the group. A uh, good thing is all the group members together comprise, I think, almost about 70% of the marketing and ad spend in the region is done by members of the group. Um, so, I mean, that's a great that's a great uh, direction to move in. Although there is not yet, as far as I know, any uh, government regulation on the topic. Jean Kilborn says ads sell a great deal more than products. They sell values, images, and concepts of success and worth, love, popularity, and normalcy. They tell us who we are and who we should be. As an academic, um, are you working on follow-up research? Why, why is it essential that we understand the consumer and we understand um, how people react uh, to, to advertising? I mean, gender stereotyping is one of those things that have become so entrenched and normalized in our daily lives that it's almost invisible um, until, you know, something like the Me Too movement comes along. I mean, we always knew it existed, right? But it needs a movement of that sort to come and shake us up and say, uh, you know, don't be so complacent anymore. Wake up and do something about it. Um, and this whole idea of repression and marginalization of women uh, have been there from time immemorial and it's been kind of um, uh, ingrained in the stories that we grow up listening to, right? Women taking care of the family while the guy goes out and he's the provider, she's the nurturer. Um, it's so ingrained. And then that's when, you know, kind of in the mid 19th century, these portrayals in everyday stories uh, kind of entered commercial storytelling through advertising as well. And it's just persisted. The sad part is research has shown that there are seriously negative consequences, particularly for women, um, including reduced self-dignity, self-confidence, body dissatisfaction, um, restricted opportunities for personal and professional development, uh, studies have also shown that, um, uh, you know, particularly related to STEM domain. So if there are gender stereotypes related to math attitudes, like, you know, boys are stronger at that mm -hmm. rather than girls, it actually undermines girls and women's interest and performance in STEM subjects. Or a mismatch of stereotypes, the idea that women are warm and communal, leaders are assertive and competent. So suddenly when you have a woman leader, like you don't know how to deal with that, right? It can actually lead to negative attitudes. And that's when you find women who are strong leaders would very often be referred to as bossy. Whereas yeah. you wouldn't yeah. probably use the same term for a equally assertive uh, male uh, leader. So all of these issues, stereotypes, stereotypes by themselves are not harmful, right? It is an easy mental cookie cutter that helps us to slot people, especially if you don't know if you're encountering a new set of people, you're going to a new country, they help you 
uh, to some extent. But um, what happens is when you reduce all these stereotypes into very simplistic categories, uh, gender stereotypes particularly says that certain attributes differentiate men and women. It can be physical characteristics, the idea that, well, men are taller than women or roles. Women are caregivers, men are providers, activity preferences. Women like to shop, men like to do sports. Um, you know, personality traits, men are independent, women are dependent, all that. I mean, it kind of reduces everyone's characteristics into these two little um, attributes. And, and that has a lot of negative consequences, which is why it's so important to do research on this topic. Uh, globally, there is a lot of research, but in this part of the world, unfortunately, we don't have uh, much. Although you find, I mean, in this part of the world, there is a high population percentage of expatriates, um, especially males. But among nationals, the number of females are almost like, you know, 40%, 40 to 50%. That's a pretty high, that's a pretty high number. Um, they, they also have to deal with a lot of social norms that are very patriarchal and very conservative. Um, and although some countries have committed resources to empowering women, uh, particularly the UAE, you know, uh, you know, they had this new rule that women can have 50% representation in the UAE Federal National Council. That's amazing, right? Um, and, and, and so although a, a few countries are trying to, uh, to empower women, you find that all these changes that are happening haven't yet been reflected in advertising mm -hmm. or even take Arab youth survey findings that says that uh, almost 60% of the population from the region are youth. And in their survey, they found that youth here want just exactly the same as youth anywhere else. They want to have both career and family. And why is this significant? Because the sample had a 50-50% representation of males and females. So roughly across both men and women, young people are saying, that they want to have a career and a family. So my point here is that the region is changing. Governments want more women empowerment. Young people want that. So although it's still largely patriarchal, it's largely very conservative, there are winds of change happening in society. And advertisers and marketers need to be in in tune with this, um, otherwise they could, they could be uh, in danger of actually being out of sync uh, with their um, stakeholders. Absolutely, and, and there's a line in, the, in your uh, research that says, the moment is ripe for brands, marketeers, and advertisers to step up and lead brands that reimagine gender representation in advertising to stay in sync with emerging trends and aspirations. What's your recommendation for brands? How can they be um, bold? Also their responsibility to, to uh, enable these aspirations and to enable women empowerment in the region. The obvious recommendation is to diversify the portrayals of women in, in advertising uh, because 
no one is saying here that doing a traditional role is a negative thing. No one is saying that. All that we're trying to say is diversify depiction, show more choices, show more options. So show women as pilots, as ministers, in addition to being moms and, and homemakers. So when you have a diversity of portrayals, it opens up so many more options for young girls, young women who grow up seeing this. They, they instead of thinking, hey, this is all that we can be. After seeing all this, yes, they might still decide to be a homemaker. That's fine. That's their choice, right? But if brands have stepped up, when governments are stepping up, society is changing. If brands can step up and uh, be courageous and be in sync with these changing um, norms in society, uh, they, would be, they would be not just being socially responsible and more inclusive in depictions. They would be really uh, leading the way in, in kind of still balancing between being a mirror and, uh, and a mold. Well, in terms of diversifying depictions of men, like I said earlier, it, it needs to be baby steps, right? So you start with uh, showing uh, women in more roles other than homemakers um, and then slowly nudge towards more diversified depictions of, of, of men. And of course, they could, just like the advertising business group has done, it would be great if the industry itself would come up with a set of guidelines for self-regulation. I mean, that's always more effective um, than to have uh, laws and regulations imposed on, on them from outside. So that would be, I think, uh, the way for them to go forward. Excellent. Thank you for that. And I really hope that, like you said, the brands would step up to... Uh, and reimagine the way they portray men and women so that they open doors and they really expand um, the, the options that men and women could have uh, and who they could be. Um, so, and what's, uh, what's next for you in terms of research within this area? What else do you feel that we need to look into and uh, the insights that would help the industry, the brands, and, but also the governments? Yeah, I mean, this is just the beginning. Uh, we just had put together uh, three of these studies and there were actually more questions that the advertising business group wanted us to answer. We probably would be continuing with that because that also includes the advertising, the advertisers' points of view, which we haven't checked here, right? I was mm -hmm. just making guesses on why they would be sticking to cliched formulae. Uh, so that definitely would be a, a pathway of future research. And there's just much, much more. Like we have only done TV ads and, and social media. There are so many more channels to look at. So many more, um, um, you know, studies to be done in the area. Um, so uh, my colleague Ali Khalil, I know he is continuing to do research um, in this area. My area of research is broadly in corporate social responsibility. So the way I approached it was also more from a, you know, a, a social responsibility perspective of organizations to step up because there is a fair bit of research on gender uh, depictions from a CSR perspective. Um, so yeah, lots more research to be done in this. This is just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg. That's music to my ear.
because uh, like you said, the more research we, uh, we were able to do in this area, the more beneficial it is to all these stakeholders. So I'll definitely uh, stay tuned and uh, look forward to uh, all the upcoming research you will be part of um, and led by, uh, by the team at uh, Zaid University. Um, great. So thank you so much for your time, uh, Ganga. It's been a pleasure and thank you for all the hard work you're putting in and understanding and adding more insights uh, to, to our knowledge about portrayal of men and women in advertising. Um, so yeah, really happy to, uh, to do this episode with you and I look forward to uh, bring you back once the next research is done. Of course. Thank you so much, Farah, for this opportunity because for me, such opportunities are important because, you know, academics often conduct theoretically grounded, really empirically rigorous research that has strong implications for practice. But then it's, it's one whole paragraph we write on practical implications. And that's where it stays as the last paragraph in an academic journal. Right. I mean, it's great, but that's not where it ought to be. It needs to come out. It needs to reach practitioners who can who can do something with it, which is why I was so delighted to do this project for Advertising Business Group, because it was great to see the research findings directly um, informing the guidelines that they created. And, and this initiative that you have taken is also uh, a step forward in that direction, right? Connecting research findings with practice. So thank you for this opportunity. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Ganga. And thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen to this episode today. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, which is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Deezer, Rami, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and so on. Where you can also rate and leave a review about the podcast. And if you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at Mina, CMO podcast at gmail.com. Stay safe and keep healthy and see you on the next episode of the Mina CMO podcast. Bye.